Hebrews 13. Thank you, Father. Well, for a lot of us, we've had a lot of word and a lot of good times. You're open for some more. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Do not forget, uh, if you came in a little later or just logging on, uh, I've decided to let the staff have the rest of the week off, except for the daycare staff. Ha ha. Uh, but uh, <laughs> can't do that. But uh, uh, anyway, the rest of the, the church staff is going to take a little bit to rest. And because of that, we are not going to have a mentoring session tomorrow night. And uh, so just put that down and hopefully all of you are Enjoying your family, resting your body, amen. Come in Sunday refreshed and hungry. Glory to God. Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you for the fullness of the gospel. Lord, none of us know it all about the gospel yet, the fullness of all that you have uh, made available to us. So we are looking as we dive into the word once more tonight. Holy Spirit, I am asking you to give unto the people God, the spirit of seeing and knowing, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. May the eyes of their understanding in the area of healing, Father, for their bodies, deliverance from any bond or chain or hindrance of mind or body. God, give them a revelation of what it is to receive by faith that which Jesus paid such a high price for us to have and to enjoy. Father, use me as an instrument tonight uh, to say it in such a way that all of us can get it. We can grab hold of it and that there wouldn't be one sick among us. There wouldn't be one person broken. There wouldn't be one weak in pain or disease. Lord, that is your will. That is your best. And we just believe for it that God, we're coming up to a higher level in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I know we have a lot of visitors with us tonight that were not here last week. If you follow our ministry on podcast or whatever, you would know that we, we uh, preached on healing last Wednesday night. And I just had it in my heart to, to teach another uh, lesson, Bible lesson on, in, on healing, and then minister to the sick if, if the Lord would lead me that way. Amen. Of course, you don't have to have hands laid on you to receive. The highest and best way is for you, just, just like I was praying, you get a revelation of it in your heart, and you grab hold of it with your faith, amen? You say, I got it. I got it, amen? Because as you know, I'm, I'm not following you around all week long. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to be here until Jesus, you know, changes it or catches us all away. I don't want to mean to get my people off in their thinking, but I just mean I'm not with you all the time. Amen? And so the best way is to just live in the light of your covenant. And when you need something, praise God, you just go to the covenant and get it. You just go and lay hold. You know, there came a time in my uh, son's life coming up in my home where I got irritated with him because he kept asking me if he could have a drink of water. Well, why, Dad, would you be irritated with him? Because he's like eight. You know what I mean? It's, it's fine if you're, you can't walk yet or reach the cupboard or reach and work the faucet to ask daddy or mama for a drink of water but when you're eight and you know where the cups are and you know full well how to skill the water in the refrigerator right amen and I just think sometimes it irritates the father when we come to a place spiritually where we've had enough time to know 
you shouldn't have to ask God for a drink of water. The Bible says about healing that it's not water, but it's bread. Right? It's the children's bread. And so I told Rex, I said, son, never, never ask me again for a drink of water as long as you live. Water is provided in this household. Water's provided. Take all you want. Amen. I really believe the Father's that way. Come on. Amen. He has set a banqueting table, the Bible says in Psalm 23. Glory to God. Amen. And it's just up to us to pull up to the table and partake of what He has made available. Amen. Here's one of the things Pastor wants you to get a hold of. Uh, The blessings of God do not come to the passive. They come to the active. Amen. The blessings of God are not going to just fall on you like a ripe cherry off a tree. You are going to have to have some fight about you. You're going to have to have some gumption about you. There's going to have to be some righteous pushback against the devil. Amen. And so you have to see the devil in in the area of sickness, disease, uh, addictions, bad habits. Amen. Anything that would hinder you. You're going to have to see him as your problem and your adversary. And the one that's keeping that from flowing easily to you in your life. Amen. You know, God's not holding back on any of us financially and materially. The Bible says that God withholds. He does not withhold any good thing from him who walks uprightly. Amen. And even then, it's not him withholding because you're not walking uprightly. It's just your sin and disobedience has opened up the door to the devil where he's got legal access to steal from you and to hinder the blessings of God from flowing in your life. You know, all the God being mad in this moment of time with humans about sin has passed. Jesus poured all his anger about our sin into Jesus on the cross. Amen. And so, you know, you know, we sin, it's it we shouldn't, but that's not upsetting the Father necessarily, but it's robbing us from being in a position to receive. The Bible says in the book of uh, Isaiah, I think chapter 50, that the spoils go to the strong. The spoils. What's a spoil? What's a spoil? What is that? What's that a reference to? Spoil. It's not bad milk, you know. Yeah, when there's a conflict and there's a war, right, the defeated party gets nothing, and the victorious army takes it all. They will strip the dead bodies of all the rings and all the gold and all the goodies. They will take all the cows and all the land and all the women and everything, everything that's there, right? Who takes it? The one who had the strength to win. So the spoils of healing are going to go to the strong in faith. God has provided healing for all of you. But you must lay hold of it. Amen. You know, especially depending on how far a sickness has gotten, you could get to a place where you're just so fed up with dealing with that thing that it'd be easier just to give up than it would be to fight. But you should still fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And so we're endeavoring to put some things into you that will make you strong so that you can be out there picking up the spoils. (laughs) Uh, in your life. Amen. And uh, so many are just, they've got such a religiously brainwashed mind 
that, uh, that they, they've just been ingrained in their church life and experience to think that if God wants to heal me, He will. And if I don't get healed, He just must not for some reason want to do that. You have got to drive that kind of thinking far from you because it's not scriptural. It may sound real religious. It may sound real spiritual, but it's not scriptural. You don't have any scripture for that. Amen. Look here at uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ, the same. Doesn't that thrill you? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday. Where are we now? Today and forever. What's Jesus is going to be like tomorrow? The same as he is today and the same he was yesterday. Glory to God. And so, you know, well, that's, 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 that's true in his nature and character. What about his power? What about his power? Is his power the same? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a diminishing power source. He's a self-sustaining, come on, power source. And uh, so, praise God. Uh, if Jesus is the same today uh, and forevermore, praise God, then we could look, right, this way I think, we could look to the biographies about Jesus and see what he's like. What did he do? Who is he? Well, God gave us four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so that we could read about Jesus. Who is Jesus? What is he like? What does he do? What is his will? What were his interactions with in this uh, area with the sick? What is Jesus' attitude towards sickness and disease? Well, we don't have to wonder. And you don't have to take some preacher's word for it. You could just open up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read it for yourself. And because we know that Jesus is the same today, and He will be tomorrow, what we see Jesus saying and doing in the Gospels way back then, He is doing those same things today. Amen. Amen. So like Reverend Kamal preached about the woman who had been uh, bowed over in her body 18 years, a spirit of infirmity from the devil. It says in Luke 13 that Satan bound this woman. God didn't bind this woman. Satan bound this woman. Lo, these 18 years and so that she could in no way raise herself up straight, right? Imagine all the difficulties that she faced. Well, what, when Jesus encountered this woman, what was his attitude toward her? He didn't wait for a prayer request. He didn't wait for her to speak up. When he saw her in that condition, he called out from afar, Hey, daughter of Abraham, woman, be loosed. I wished I'd have written that book. T.D. Jakes, man, he, got a, he launched out into a national ministry. Taking that title, Woman, Thou Art Loosed, and wrote a book to the ladies. And man, look at where he's at today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. But Jesus said, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. So we want to read the story and not go, oh, thank God, you know, that was just wonderful. No, those, that, that story, amen, should be t speaking to you and to me. Amen. Go with me to the book of John real quick. Go with me to the book of John. I want to read you something I, I came across today that uh, I think will help you think even more right about your Bible. 
as you're reading it. Glory to God, then maybe you have been. John chapter 20. Give me a big amen or something when you find it. So in verse 30, John 20, 30, it says, In many, everyone say many, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Do you see that? But these are written that you might believe. Okay. Are you following me? These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have. Do you see that? And so what is John saying to us? He's saying, look guys, Jesus did many, many miraculous deeds and signs that are not written. They are not recorded. In fact, he said, I suppose if they were all written, it would take the volumes of the books of the world to record them all. So when you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there are many, many personal accounts of Jesus interacting with people who are possessed with devils, who are tormented in their minds, who are broken in their bodies, right? But we're only getting a, a sample right, of all that happened under his earthly ministry. So what you need to see here is, now why is this? Why, why do we have the, the, the specific story about the, the woman with the spirit of infirmity? Why, do, why is the story repeatedly in Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, talk about the woman with the issue of blood? Jairus' daughter, the nobleman's son. Why these? He tells us. These specific stories were chosen and selected by the Holy Ghost as He inspired Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to write so that you would believe. In other words, Jesus, okay, this particular account is going to speak to my people so that they'll know to believe that I'm the Christ, amen, and that they might have what this lady had. So, you, you know, you need to understand this kind of thing so that when you read your Bible, you're not thinking, well, I'm reading history. No, you're not reading history. These stories were express, expressly, specifically picked out by the Holy Ghost to be included in the canon of our Bible so that we would have the nuggets and the instruction and the stories. Amen. To see God's attitude towards certain things, how He responds to certain things, what those people did to receive their miracle. Come on. Amen. And in believing, you will have. Notice your having, your healing, your freedom is dependent on your believing. It's not dependent, Brother Brett, on the will of God for you. It, whether, I, whether Chris has healing or doesn't have healing is entirely up to Chris. Entirely. Now that stirs up religious devils, but I like doing that. It doesn't bother me a bit. Amen? You know, the, um, I'm going to do this. You don't have to. I'm going to, I don't think I've ever done this in my Cambridge Bible here that I carry and preach out of. Between the Old and two, New Testaments, yeah, okay. 
You might have one of these pages in here that the publisher puts in. And it says, the New Testament of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right? That's like the New Covenant or the New Testament. It's like the will. Many Bibles, many publishers will say the will and testament. Well, the will and testament, that's not history. That's telling you what's mine. What, what belongs to me? And if you study this honestly and objectively, you'll find that healing belongs to you. Amen. You don't have to turn there for the time's sake. But, you know, if, if congregations, let me include my live stream audience, if, if congregations out there as a whole are sick and suffering, it's the pastor's fault. Not God's will for that congregation. Any congregation, any one believer to be sick all the time. To be sick at all. Uh, but I, I pulled this passage out of Ezekiel, and it's the prophet Ezekiel rebuking shepherds or pastors. Listen to what God said to pastors. And the word of the Lord came unto me. This is Ezekiel 34, 1 through 5. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus says the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be unto the shepherds that do feed themselves. Should not shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat, and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. Now look at verse 4. The disease, or you're not looking at it, you're listening. The diseased, the diseased sheep you have not strengthened. Neither have you healed that which was sick. Not that which is broken. See, laid in here for me as a pastor is my job description. And the expectation of my Lord on me as a pastor. He has entrusted to me the apple of his eye. You, the sheep of his pasture. You, the one he died to save and bore many stripes on his body to be healed. But a lot of congregations, they're diseased. They're not strong. They're sick instead of being healed. They have, they have brokenness where instead of being bound up. It goes on and talks in verse 5. It says, and they were scattered because there is no shepherd. <laughs> well, this is not gonna, I'm not going to let this be true in my congregation. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach and teach healing consistently enough and strong enough that you can take it if you want it. And then if you're weak, <laughs> it won't be on me. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go over to 2 Chronicles. We're doing okay. Y'all all right? 2 Chronicles. That's way back there. You got Kings, 1st and 2nd. Actually, you had Samuel, 1st and 2nd, then Kings. Then you get to the Chronicles, right? And we're going to go to 2 Chronicles, the 16th chapter. So is Jesus any different than he was back then? Well, as you're finding 2 Chronicles, just listen to Matthew 4, 23. It says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, and all manner of disease among the people. Is he the same? He's the same. 
Listen to Matthew 9.35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Sounds very similar, right? Preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Come on. So when Jesus found a group of people and sickness in that group of people, what did He do with their sickness? He healed them. He didn't counsel them. He didn't give them religious platitudes. He didn't say, well, come back tomorrow. I have to check with the Father to see if it's the Father's will to heal you or not. If He found a people sick, He ministered to them what they needed, which was healing. Come on, if you're sick tonight, what does Jesus, by the Spirit, through the Word of God, want for you? He wants you to be healed. If you have an addiction, He wants that to be, you want, He wants you to be delivered. He doesn't want you to live in a 12-step program all your life. Amen. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be delivered. He wants you to take on your brand new identity in Christ, and there's no sickness in that identity. Amen. So you're parked, you're parked over in 2 Chronicles, right? I know where you're at. Listen to Matthew 19. Well, actually, Matthew 15. It says, And great multitudes came to Him. So that's a big crowd, right? Having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed. That means they had limbs that were twisted or broken or missing. And many others. And they cast them down at Jesus' feet. I'd love to see that. <laughs> right? And He healed them. He didn't even say He prayed for them. You know, nice little pastoral prayer. He healed them. What's that mean? He healed the lame, he healed the maimed, he healed the blind, he healed the dumb, he healed the broken. Glory. Matthew 19. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Now, I don't have time to run down that whole trail with you, but the next thing he did, because the need was too great and the crowds were too great, he turned to his 12 disciples and said, I give you authority over all demons and to heal the sick. You get out into these cities and preach the good news of the kingdom and heal the sick therein. I mean, he just mandated it. Heal the sick when you find them. Don't ask them if they're naughty or nice. Just heal them. Praise God. See, I love the Lord I serve. Because, see, I'm, uh, the Lord has helped me to see over the years, amen, that this is telling me something about God's attitude towards people and their sickness. You know, well, you know, I just believe, Pastor Chris, that God will put sickness on you at times to teach you something. No, He'll heal you and then sit down and talk to you about what you need to do. Right? You know, what if I were to take, you know, a, a little one into my home and I wanted to teach the little one, you know, the lesson about the stove is hot. You know, and we got one of those flat surface deals and I just turned it up and got it bright orange, man. And just said, okay, little one, it's time. We're going to learn the lesson about how the stove is hot. And I just take that little hand and let that burn real good, right? Stink up the kitchen real bad and that kid's are screaming. And take the hand off and say... 
Aren't I a good daddy? I taught you a really important lesson. You'll never forget that. The stove is hot. What's DHS going to do with me? And they should. It's called abuse. Where do we get this thinking that God Almighty is going to say, Come here, sweetie, I've got some really good cancer. I'm going to put it right in you. And you're going to get down to a skeleton, down to death's door. But if you'll get the lesson before you expire, I might heal you. That's the mindset many Christians have and that they have to grapple with. And they get themselves all tangled up in weird theological statements trying to justify, the. and I just made it plain for you, a God like that. I'm just telling you I wouldn't serve a God like that. Amen. I'd go team up with the devil and his crowd. If God was like that... Thank God God's not like that. Aren't you glad? Amen. So here in 2 Chronicles, we're going to read just a couple of verses about an ancient king named Asa. And Asa had a lot of good points, you know, but uh, towards the end of his life, he didn't go out the way uh, he should have gone out. Let's look at it. And so in verse number 12, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 12, it says, And Asa... In the thirty and ninth year, the thirty-ninth year of his reign, he was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not the Lord. He sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Now there's a lesson here for us. Asa has had years of experience with God. You know, at, uh, in the Chronicles it will tell you, in Kings it will tell you about a time in which Asa, uh, he's the king over Israel, but uh, you know their armies are small and uh, they got overwhelmed and surrounded by a greater force and a, and a greater army. And uh, you can read how that Asa sought the Lord. How he came aside and he got desperate before God and he sought God. And he said, oh God, it's nothing for you to save by many or by few. Doesn't matter how small we are, God. If you're with us, then you can give us victory over this great troop, over this great company. And God said, I'm with you. And he uh, enabled Asa in the kingdom of Israel to have a victory. See, that's awesome. That's how it's supposed to work for us. But the key part on Asa's side is that he sought God's help. He looked to God as his help, as his source, and not to other, other places. You know, you can read about Israel's history when various kings would come up and instead of seeking the Lord for help to win a battle, they made unholy alliances with other pagan nations, right? That to become, hey, you become our ally. Help us win this battle. And that, that never worked. That never worked. God was always displeased with that. Why? Because when, when His people get in trouble, and when the enemy shows up, 
He wants us and He expects us to turn to Him and to lean on Him for our help and for our deliverance. So let's look again here. In, uh, you might want to underline these or make some sort of mark here. It says that Asa got a disease in his feet. Amen? And notice these words matter. Come on. There's lessons in here. That's, what, that's why God gave us the Bible. And so it says uh, that he suffered with this disease. The disease became exceeding great, yet in his disease he sought not the Lord, but the physicians. Now what does that mean? What that means is he invested his trust in medicine and doctors and not God. And so God just said, fine, you're going to have what medicines and doctors can do, which is nothing in this case. See, did it say here that, um, that Asa died of this disease because it was the will of God for him? Is that the lesson we should, you know, I mean, you just be a third grader and read this, right? And know that that's not what this is teaching. Could Asa have been healed of this disease in his feet? Why wasn't he? He didn't talk to God about it. He didn't seek God about it. He did not trust God in it. He didn't trust God in it. But instead he went this other route. Now, am I saying I'm against medicine doctors? No, 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 I'm not. I'm against not bringing the Lord in. I'm against going to the medicine cabinet first. That's what I'm against. I'm against leaving the Lord out. You go have a surgery. A lot of people, you know, can I just, we just have a few minutes left, just get really, really real with people. You know, if, if, uh, if, if we didn't have medicine, we didn't have health insurance, and we didn't have CVS and pharmacies and elixirs and painkillers, you know, back then they didn't have, you know, when people were suffering in pain, they didn't have the, the pain, you know, management options that humans have today. They suffered with that. Well, you know what, if I didn't have any medicine, and I'm suffering with something, I'm going to do some real sincere business with God. I'm going to be like Hezekiah, right? I'm going to turn my back to the wall. I'm going to shut everything else out. And me and God, we're going to get this thing figured out. And they had to do that back then or just suffer. But now today, we have got so many options. And then we make idols out of these things. And we never deal with our sin issue. We never deal with our strife in our marriage issue. We never deal with the bitterness and the resentment that we're carrying around. We never, you know, really get to the root of the matter. We're just medicating. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, in James, over in the New Testament, it's just so very clear. It says, is any sick among you? Let him go to the doctor. That's not what it says. It says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Not call Pastor Chris and let him pray. No, 
that that person going through that affliction should pray to God for their healing about their situation. And then it goes on and says, you know, if that doesn't work, let them call for the elders of the church. Not run this, you know, we just, we're just trained. I, I know this is a sacred cow, and I'm not against getting medicine and doctors involved. I'm against you leaving the Lord out. I'm against you putting your trust in surgeon so-and-so, doctor so-and-so. Because if you do that, where is your trust not? In the healer. And that is why we have the, the, the terrible outcomes we have. And, and we, live, we live so, so less than. James goes on and says, confess your faults one unto another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Amen. So, you know, when it comes to the healing of your body and, and you know, not just that, but what are you, where is your trust? Where is your trust in the realm of health in your life, in the sustaining of your life? Be honest with yourself. Amen. Is it in uh, your, your, your diet program? Is it in your favorite nutritionist book? Is it in your, your vitamins, your elixirs, your, your physician, your doctor, your whoever? If that's true, then God bless you. You have misplaced trust. Amen. No, our trust needs to be where? Amen. Go over with me to James, or not James, Jeremiah chapter 5. Or no, 17. I'll get this right. Jeremiah 17. Y'all handle just a bit more? Listen, we, this is, why do, we, why do most Christians, why are we so fast to run to the medicine cabinet? So fast to run to surgery? So fast to run to the doctor? And my God, we will do whatever they say. And we will sell our house to pay the bill and live in a tent if we have to. I can't get people to take off work to come let me read healing scriptures to them and to talk to them about how to have faith in God for healing. They, they will, oh, I'm working, I can't do that. But they will take off every, I mean, they will, they will miss work, they will take on extra shift to make that doctor's appointment. It just tells you where their faith is. Where they have their eyes, we're singing about where our eyes are for our help. Well, let me look at your appointment book and I can tell you mentally, physically, financially where you think your help is. Amen. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Start with me in verse 5. I'm going to go ahead for time's sake and, and read this from the Amplified Translation. And it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed with great evil is the strong man who trusts in and relies on frail man. Making weak human flesh his arm. And whose mind and heart turn aside from the Lord. That's the issue. To lean on the weak arm of human flesh. For he shall be like a shrub or a person naked and destitute in the desert. And he shall not see any good 
See, we have to get this right. Our doctors and our nutritionists and our physicians are not going to be able to overcome for us our abandonment of where our trust should really be. Vitamin C is not that strong. Right? You know, your keto diet is not going to be able to overcome the open door of unforgiveness in your life. Unforgiveness doesn't show up yet on a blood test that I know of. Disobedience to the will of God, rebellion to God and to His Word is not going to show up on your CAT scan. Amen. I mean, you can become the bionic man, cut it all out, put fresh parts in and all that, but sin is still sin and sickness is still a curse. And it's going to, where are we trusting? Who are we trusting to keep our life, to sustain our life, to heal our life, protect our life, give us life? Amen. I want to see good come. Anyway, it says, but you shall dwell in parched places in the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Most blessed is the man, now this is where we want to be, right? Who believes in, trusts in, relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence is where? In the Lord. In the Lord. For he, this person, shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots in the river, by the river, it shall not see and fear when heat comes. What that mean? When pressures come, when difficulties come, it's going to be like you're living in the shade, man. And I, can I tell you, other than just being frustrated at what Kamal calls the stupid coronavirus, and I agree 100%, I have not experienced the, the heat of that, the, the Right? I mean, other than just having to deal with a crazy society and a fear-filled society and whacked-out power-hungry politicians and all of that stuff we're having to walk through, man, my life, I'm, I'm living in the shade, glory to God, of God's blessing. And it doesn't, it's not because I'm something, it's because I'm trusting God. I believe that God is able to keep me healthy in the midst of a virus floating around, whether it's flu, whether it's COVID, whether it's whatever. Amen. So that person will not see and fear when heat comes, but its leaf shall be green. It shall not be anxious and full of care. Get this, in the year of drought. See, like, like the nation's experienced, economic trouble. We won't even see it. Economic trouble, where? People going through a hard time? Really, where? Let's help them. It just won't be your experience. Why? Because we weren't trusting in our job in the first place. We're not trusting in Social Security in the first place. We're not trusting in the Fed or unemployment or whatever in the first place. But it all depends... On where is your trust? Where have you invested your trust? The Bible says in Psalms 20 that some trust in horses and some chariots, but we will trust in the name. Come on, in the name. God has a name. 
His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. God has a name, and His name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Come on. God has a name. His name is El Shaddai, the all-breasted one, the all-sufficient one, the God that is more than enough. Praise God. I'm not rebuking anybody. That's not my intention. I'm just saying, in these last days, I've been saying it off and on for a long time, all of your crutches are going to go away. Don't trust in your 401k. I mean, it looks like it was gone one moment, and now they tell me it's all back. I mean, I don't want to live that kind of life anymore. I'm just going to trust in the stream of my God's provision that is sure and steady no matter what comes. Amen. Jesus said in the last days before He comes back for us that there were going to be plagues. The Amplified says there's going to be contagious, epidemic, uh, uncurable diseases. Now this particular disease, I understand, has a 98% survival rate. What are you going to do when the plague comes along where half the population that gets it dies? You're really going to be freaked out then unless right now you begin to develop and cultivate Right? And put deep roots of trust and faith in God and in Him alone as it relates to your body. Amen. Glory to God. If I'm being strong, it's because maybe, maybe I know something coming down the pike. Not, I don't say, I'm not making myself to be some prophet, but you can just read your Bible. It's going to get worse before we're caught away. The Bible says, Jesus said, in the last days, men's hearts, their spirits will fail them for fear because of what they see coming upon the planet. Amen. That's why on Sunday mornings I've been preaching to my congregation, you've got to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the power of His might. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is well able to keep you from all harm. From all danger. I remember Brother Ken back when he was uh, still in the military and, um, or even uh, when he was doing private security and he was about to leave for a deployment. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure he's not told me a, a, a hundredth of the, what he's seen and, and experienced, but I just remember praying for him and, and Jennifer was there, maybe the family too. And uh, you know, the Lord helped me to say to him, you know, Ken, you're called to this. Like I'm called to this, in this, like to this, we all have callings. And Romans 13 talks about the soldier. God's soldier is an instrument in the hand of the Lord. And he does not bear the sword or the M16 in vain. Lest you do evil, God will use that soldier to kick your, you know, backside or whatever. And, you know, these things are callings. And Ken had that on him in that season of his life. And I said, listen, there is no safer place to be on this planet than in the perfect will of God. And so I said, Ken, you're going to be safer with bullets flying over your head and explosions going off all around you than some people are walking in the streets of Paducah because you're in the will of God. See, when you live in the will of God, it doesn't matter what happens, what comes along, what fiery trial, what battle. God is able to keep you. 
It didn't matter how smart or cute or, or clever Israel thought. When they got over into rebellion, there was no defense. When God gives someone over into the hand of the enemy, your sharp sword isn't going to be enough. Your clever military tactic isn't going to be enough. But conversely, when you live in the light of the covenant and when you live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, best of your ability, amen, there is no company, there is no disease, there is no something coming down the pike that could take you out as long as you're in His will and you're trusting Him. I mean trusting Him. Hallelujah. Let's close in one more spot here. Hallelujah. Where is your trust? Look at Mark chapter 5, just quickly. And we'll close right here. I mean over and over and over and over and over again. Old and New Testament. We are admonished and told and instructed and encouraged. Trust in God. Blessed is the man that puts his trust in the Lord. Right? Amen. You know, David, I've been reading First and Second Samuel in my, just reading through Samuel in my devotional time. And man, this guy was bloodthirsty. I mean, he was just a warrior. But see, we go in, he'd be outnumbered. He'd be outgunned. He'd get in disadvantaged geographic positions in the battle. But it would specifically say, but the Lord kept David. But the Lord kept David and gets into his hand. See, it didn't matter about the strategy. It didn't matter. It just meant... I'm keeping that boy and you are not going to hurt him or his troops as long as he lives for me. God kept David through all of those battles. There was not a sniper arrow guy, you know, good enough to get him. Not the lion, not the bear. Not Goliath, not the Philistines. It didn't matter if it was the children of Ammon. It did not matter. If you cross that guy, you crossed a covenant man, and you're going to go down. You are going to go down. This is why Dr. Dufresne would walk around and say, I wouldn't mess with me if I was you. <laughs> right? Because Not because he thought himself to be some great thing, because he knew he had a covenant with God who is a big shot. Amen. <laughs> right? I remember, um, oh, I was, if you ever meet my brother, tell him, for me, I'm sorry. It'll just help him, because I was mean to him. He's three years younger, and that's just enough age when you're eight and your brother's five that I've got ability to do stuff that he doesn't quite have the ability to do, and he's slowing me down, you know? And yet, you know, back then, just so cute, I want to play, you know, and I was just mean. I mean, like I coaxed him out to the back 40 and handcuffed him and left him there in the sun all day. You know, mean. Afraid of the dark, I handcuffed him to the rail in the closet and Put a blanket over him and left him in there for hours and hours and hours. And hours. So, see, I was, I was mean. I wasn't born again. I was mean. But uh, at the school that I went to, by the time I got to the ninth grade, started high school, at this school, it was so small, it doesn't matter. We're all there together. The high school, the elementary, we're all there. So my brother's there and I'm there. And we could go off campus across the street to the Warrior Cafe back then to get a burger if we wanted to, which a lot of times we did. Well, my brother was down there and was getting beat up by these older kids. And, you know, I'm like, oh, no, no. I beat him up. I, nobody else. 
I beat him up. Right? And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I don't, don't think, because I'm, I'm not a big fighter, but I could handle those like, you know, three years younger kids. I can handle them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to think that I'm a big brawler, because no. And, uh, and uh, but that day I walked up, and, and you could just see Ben's countenance change when me and my friends showed up. Amen. And this is how all of us should walk around every day. Doesn't matter how small we feel, how inadequate and beat up we feel. If you turn around and get a sense that the God that made Jupiter is walking behind you, yeah, then you just walk with some more confidence, right? Yeah. Because you know the, the strength that's going to take to win the fight isn't going to come from me anyway. Now you understand, you've heard me, I, I take supplements. I do a little, I, I enjoy my salvation a lot, but I, I, uh, I do, I am thinking about what goes down the pipe to be somewhat healthy, amen. But I'm not trusting in those things. And I'm not saying you are either, but it'd be easy to slip off over into that. Something happens the first time, you know, your first thought is doctor. Then doctor's God, doctor's your healer. And I'm just saying, I'm just trying to shake you, don't, don't do that. Something comes against your body, God. Something comes against you, something doesn't feel right, word. Where's my word? Where's my covenant? That's, and if we're not reacting that way yet, then it just means we continue need to train ourselves that way. Not beat ourselves up, I'm just saying we need to train ourselves that way. So closing. You're like, oh, please, hallelujah. But, <laughs> you know, I tell you what, being in the right place that, that preaches these things, I'd be happy for people if they, you know, they don't like me, they'd go someplace else. But um, you, there needs to be healing message around. You know, I've seen people say, oh, I believe in healing so I can go where they're not preaching it because I believe in healing. No, <laughs> you're, you're deceived. Because faith comes by hearing. You want to root yourself and, and sit your family in a place where these kind of things are being preached and taught on a regular basis real strong. Because, uh, you know, like on this alone show, they hit, they, hit the, they hit the Arctic all fit and good, but you leave them alone for 100 days, they don't look the same. Right? They don't look the same when they get back on the helicopter. <laughs> Amen. You don't know what I'm talking about. Just look it up. But uh, praise God. Real quick. Mark 5, 25. A certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things of what? She suffered at the hand of what? Yeah. Physicians could be a great blessing. I'm sure glad to have Dr. Stodgill around. He's not even on the planet today to put my wife's ankle back together and she fell. We're grateful for these people, right? What they could do. Amen. But uh, don't trust in them. Don't trust in them. Praise God. Better trust God. Should I have this surgery, Pastor? Oh, you better. What is God saying about it? That's my point. God sometimes say, do it. 
Well, then you better do it. You, you know he's going to work in it. He's, you're going to come out of that thing. A lot of people have minor surgeries. They don't come out of the hospital. You know why that is? Because they weren't led by God. God knew that. How come they didn't escape that? They probably didn't even talk to him about it. They, they went the Asa route. And that's why they died. Okay. A certain woman, she's suffering. Why? Well, because the doctors bless their hearts. They're not God. Then, did it affect her in another area? She spent all she had. So now she is suffering with this sickness and she's broke. Right? The doctors, maybe they ought to be more like these lawyers. You pay me if you win. You only owe me something if you win. But if you don't come off the table, I'm not going to charge you anything. How about that? If I cut off the wrong toe, you know, praise God, maybe we'll... But notice what's happening with her. She's getting worse. She's getting worse. Oh, but when did it all turn? When she heard of Jesus. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Come on. And straightway, that means immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him around in the press, said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, You seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, your faith, your faith, not me and my sovereign will, your faith in me, your faith in my power, your faith in me as the healer, Amen. Amen. Has made you whole. You know, I believe included in whole is the ultimate restoration of her finances too. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Friend, if, your, if her faith could make her whole, your faith can make you whole. Is Jesus on his side? Is he different? He's the same. Isn't that right? He's the same. Amen. Stand upon your feet tonight. You see, we see here that her faith was the catalyst that activated the healing power that's on Jesus all the time. This is why I say, that the blessings of God come to the strong. Not the, they come to the active, not the passive. She had to leave her home. She had to turn her back on her doctor's appointment. She had to press in through that crowd. Really, if you understand anything about that story, this is it for her. Because if she doesn't get the healing, she's going to get stoned. You see, you got to get to that place where he is my only option. He is my only option. And you will find as she did, he doesn't 
fail. So before we go tonight, honey, if you'd come to the keyboard, if you're here and you have...